Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., or 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. I pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. May God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. It is, it's, it's really a pleasure to be here this morning. It's a pleasure in so many fronts. It's a pleasure as we celebrate and welcome 28 new members into the fold through the Sacrament of Confirmation and another one through the Sacrament of Baptism. It's a pleasure to be here on this day when we remember 9-11 also and all those who, who gave really so much in reaching out to the victims and their families. It's a pleasure to be here as we remember Constance Nunn and her companions, who I'll illuminate in a few moments as well. But for me, it's also a pleasure to be here because it was a um, really short drive this morning. Thank you. <laughs> and, and this never, ever happens that I don't have a, uh, a, a, an afternoon an afternoon visitation following a morning visitation. But somehow it worked out that I don't have an afternoon visitation. So on this opening day of the NFL season, well, that I will be able to take a nap and watch a football game. And I want to point out that I am ceremonially and ever important. Um, have my, uh, my, my saint stole on today. Um, Hope springs eternal, <laughs> and may the Hudats reign through our lives today. I, I can tell you exactly where I was 15 years ago today. I can tell you exactly where I was and where I first heard about the uh, the nine, what was going on in New York around the World Trade Centers. I was at home. I was at home. I was getting ready to go to work. I was the rector at St. Uh, Thomas in Diamond Head, Mississippi at the time. And, and all of a sudden, the Today Show was preempted by horrible video clips of planes crashing into buildings. And it was one of those things that was very, very surrealistic, very surrealistic and hard to, hard to believe that it was actually happening. As I shared with the 845 service this morning, one of the things for me that was really very spooky was just two weeks earlier, I'd finished reading this Tom Clancy book called Dead of Honor, and where there's a horrible scene that takes place where a plane crashes into a joint session of Congress on purpose, on purpose, and creates all sorts of national havoc. So all of a sudden, this piece of fiction that I had read was becoming real, and this evil was becoming real in a very strange way in front of my eyes on television. And of course, those of us who were watching know that it didn't end that right there. Two more planes came in. Another one crashed in the World Trade Center, another one in Washington, and another one hit, went down in Pennsylvania. It was horrible. 
one of those awful moments that I think all of us will never, ever forget. Not because it was full of awe, but because it was full of fear, and it was full of evil. And things just sort of pervaded us as, my God, my God, what is going on? What is going on? But we also got to witness some grace. As we mourned for the families and those who lost, we got to witness grace in the actions of heroic first responders. We got to witness grace as people stepped up and organized efforts and, and, and began praying. And communities of faith across the country came together to say prayers, to ask God to hold us and to hold those so closely affected by this horrible tragedy in the palm of God's hands. And we saw the body of Christ come together as first responders and others reached out to humanity. Humankind who was struggling and suffering and grieving at that moment. And those first responders reached out to all people regardless of their color, regardless of their creed, regardless of who they were. They reached out, dare I say, as God's body, Christ's body, Christ's blood, reaching in and giving comfort, and providing comfort to those who so desperately needed it. We give thanks today for those first responders, and we remember them. We remember all those who lost their lives as well. And as we remember where we were 15 years ago today, may we also remember the grace and the courage of those who stepped up and lived into their baptismal promises in some cases, but also reached out for justice and peace for all people. Within the Episcopal Church, today is an important day as well. Actually, two days ago was September 9th. It's the, uh, the feast day of Constance Nunn and her companions. You may not have heard of Constance Nunn. Uh, actually, her name's not Constance Nunn. Her name is Constance. She was a nun. Um, uh, and, and her companions were some other of the monastics who lived in that same community in Memphis, Tennessee, around St. Mary's Church, which is now known as St. Mary's Cathedral. And they were a group of monastics and clergy who stepped up when a yellow fever epidemic swept through the city in 1878 and actually years prior to that and years afterwards as well. Thousands and thousands of people fell ill to the disease. Thousands and thousands of people made a run for it. But Constance and her companions who were actually many of them on a retreat in New York and didn't have to come back could have stayed for safety's sake, where they were, came back anyhow. Came back and rendered service to God's people who suffered. Treated these men and women who were dealing with this horrible illness with an incredible degree of respect, incredible degree of dignity, and they reached out from their hearts and gave. Now, they're in the Book of Lesser Feasts and Fasts, certainly for their courageous activities at that time, but also because they lost their lives at that time. And they all fell ill to the yellow fever epidemic and died. It's interesting to note that the two clergy persons who were there, two men, 
One was a Reverend Parsons, the other a Reverend Schuyler. Died as well and are buried up in Memphis. But that Reverend Parsons, who was a canon on the staff of that parish, has Mississippi connections, namely having married into the Johnstone family, which is prominent within the life of Annandale in Chapel of the Cross. And his son is actually buried right out here, another Reverend Parsons. It runs in the family, who knew? But has all sorts of Mississippi connections. So we give thanks today for Constance Nunn and her companions and their brave, heroic, faithful witness in living into their vows, certainly as baptized men and women, but as humans who reached out to others who were in need. Today we'll celebrate the baptism and confirmation of a whole bunch of folks. Now, I need to note the reason why we call it confirmation is not just to provide some sort of job security for bishops. We call it confirmation because it's an opportunity for the faithful to confirm their own baptismal promises. Literally confirm the promises that were often made on their behalf when they were infants or small children. You will step forward and you will confirm those promises and essentially say, this is where I intend to practice my faith. This is where I intend to practice my ministry as part of God's baptized faithful. This is where I intend to come back to be refilled, refilled to go forth and do God's work in the world. Confirmation is essentially ordination. Ordination for laypersons. Because we are all called as ministers by virtue of our baptism. I believe every culture, every group of people has histories and stories of how heroic activities have affected and shaped them, how God's people have stepped up in spite of in spite of un unforeseen danger and lived as the body of Christ and shared the message by reaching out to others. The, uh, this is where I tie it into my Uganda trip. In April, I made a trip to Uganda to the Diocese of South Renzori, the guest of the Right Reverend Jackson Zarabende, and uh, was greeted in Entebbe, Uganda, by a delegation from the, uh, from the diocese, and, and got a chance to make the long drive to Kasesi. And I emphasize long because it was a long drive. Um, not so far in terms of miles, but in terms of two-lane road that kind of runs right down the middle of the country and slows down dramatically as you go through villages and have to avoid livestock and stuff like that. But as we were driving, Bishop Zarabende would point out various places along the route, and he would say, this is where um, Idi Amin had his death camps. This is where part of that same dictatorship ordered so many horrible, horrific actions to take place. And as I spoke and heard those stories from someone who's 
the same age as me, I was automatically filled with how scary and how frightening that must have been at that point in history as people were losing their lives because they were Christians. And as people were losing their lives as this dictator struggled to hold on to the area and his leadership and his authority. And he said, yes, it was. It was horrible. But we as people of faith did what we could. Many times it was underground. Many times it was in places where we were very much in danger. But we did what we could. We did what we could. And we lifted up those who were able to help. 9-11. Martyrs of Uganda. <coughs> martyrs of Memphis. We all have our stories that connect us. We all have our stories that connect us in spite of being worlds apart. That connect us and hold us together as God's people. And tell us how important it is to be the body of Christ in the world. We all have those stories, we all have those experiences, and we all have our baptisms to hold on to. As God calling us, God reaching in, and God providing us with that call to be Christian and to live our lives as Christians. I'd be remiss if I didn't share with you my favorite story from, from my trip to Uganda. Um, it was in the village of Mahongo. Mahongo is about 90 miles from where I was staying in Kasese. 90 miles, but it took uh, a couple hours to get there. And it took a couple hours because it was uphill, dirt roads that had recently been washed out by a lot of rain. And it was scary. It was really frightening going up those roads. One of our company drove the whole way with his jacket over his head because he was so scared. I'm not sure if we gave him a couple of Tylenol PMs for the ride back, but somehow he was much quieter on the ride home. <laughs> but we arrived in Mahongo after a couple of hours, and Mahongo was way up in the mountains, very lush, very green, very beautiful, but also very primitive. And we were greeted when we got to Mahongo by, ready for this, a thousand people thousand people on a Thursday morning for a confirmation service greeted us with a marching band. The marching band that led us to the archdeacon's home. And the people were just, they were ecstatic. They were singing and they were dancing and leading us. They led us up there. And then we went in and, uh, and had some food. Anytime we went somewhere, they gave, there was something to eat. Um, sometimes I'm not quite sure what I ate, but... To say I was a good guest. We got inside, we ate, and then it started pouring down rain. It started pouring down rain in buckets. And it did so for three and a half hours. Three and a half hours poured down rain, delayed the confirmation, a thousand people waiting, but they all waited. No one left. They all found places to be dry. They all found places to hide from, from the weather. They all found places to enjoy fellowship. Fellowship in Christ's name, fellowship as the body of Christ. The service finally got ready to start, finally stopped raining. We made our way to where we were going to invest and process. And as we were getting ready to, to process in and beginning the, the, the procession, I heard the chaplain to Bishop Zarabende telling him that he thought there were 200. And 
I assumed that he meant there were 200 confirmations. Um, you know, and I had been warned there were 200 confirmations. And I was pretty impressed with that because I don't think I did 200 confirmations in Mississippi last year. But by the time we got in, I figured out that that wasn't 200. That was 200 more confirmations. So we were up to 400. I'm a good American, born and raised in California. Um, my first thought went to, my God, how long is this going to take? <laughs> but I have to tell you, one of the most incredible parts of this was that everything stopped when we got to the confirmation. All the joyful music, all the dancing, and all the focus became upon those people making their professional faith. All the focus came upon those folks who were being confirmed. And suddenly time evaporated. It just didn't matter anymore. As Bishop Zerabende confirmed four at a time in Swahili. And I was over here on this side confirming four at a time in English. And within that quiet, within that prayer, you could hear my words going up to God in English, his words going up in Swahili. And I would have to say we were united as the body of Christ, united in all the struggles we have as part of the body, united in spite of any differences of opinion philosophically, politically, or theologically, united in all that we did at that moment and as our words rose to Christ. Uh, it ended up being 577 confirmations that day. And it was an amazing experience. And the focus was absolutely on those men and women making their profession of faith, saying this is the community where they want to celebrate, enjoying fellowship in Christ's name. And I'm told, although I lost track of time, that it took three and a half hours. But it was three and a half hours that passed just like the blink of the eye or the snapping finger as we celebrated God's presence in our lives. Friends, we're blessed by relationships that hold us together. We're, we're blessed by our baptisms and our confirmations that give us the opportunity to profess our faith and be linked together as Christ's own for all time. And we're blessed by the call that that profession of faith gives to each and every one of us. A call to reach out beyond our comfort zones and to reach in to communities that beg, beg for us to reach out to them. And when I speak of reaching out, I speak of how we reach out in times of deepest trouble. 9-11, Memphis, Uganda. Katrina, flooding. Speak of how we reach out to communities in turmoil. This is all part of our call as the body of Christ. Part of who we are called to be and how we are called to practice this faith. I'm humbled by the opportunity to be with you today as you welcome 28 people into the church. I'm humbled to have the opportunity to worship with all of you Chapel across Madison. 
stoked that it's so close to home. But mostly I'm humbled by the fact that we are the Jesus movement. We are the Jesus movement of the Episcopal Church. We are called to be the body of Christ. We're called to continually, continually be looking for new ways that Christ is reaching out to us and sending us. Sending us to do His work in the world. Thank you to all the confirmands and their families for saying yes. And thank you for all of you in the ministry that you practice as the body of Christ and as this portion of the Jesus. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.